Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. If you got your Bibles, uh, go to Colossians chapter 3. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. There's a Bible that looks just like this one that I'm using. And if you go to page 1,873, you'll find Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to read here in a bit, beginning in verse 12. I have always been impressed with people who have that uncanny ability to be able to impersonate or to uh, do impressions of others, people that we know, uh, people that, um, that we admire, and they, they can do this impression or this impersonation. One of those guys who does this well, his name is Frank Caliendo. Do you know the name Frank Caliendo? He does impersonations of athletes and coaches, and he's often on, on, uh, on, you know, on sports news channels. And um, I'll just show you a quick little 20-second clip of Frank Caliendo on the David Letterman Show some years ago doing an impersonation of the legendary football coach, John Madden. And if you know John Madden at all, he, he nails him. He nails him. Good to have you on the show. Nice to, nice to see you. How are things going? Pretty good, Dave. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of places you could be, but I mean... <laughs> Anytime you're in a place like this, you think, <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, things start to get, you, know, you want to be on a, in a funny place, and this is one of those funny places. And if for another place, and it's not as funny, you think, <laughs> I mean, why am I in that place? I, I, what I wanted to be was in a funny place, and boom. <laughs> I mean, I'm out of it right now, Dave. Good. And he nails John Madden. His much content comes from John Madden. Uh, that, you just got that right there. Another guy is Rich Little. I remember watching him as a kid, and he does impersonations. Here's Rich Little doing Dr. Phil. I know that the, the you know that I know that you know. And if you knew that I knew that, then, then, then we both would know. If... And that sounds just like Dr. Phil. And you know, it's, it's a political season, and I thought, you know, I could should pull some video clips of people impersonating political candidates, but I didn't want a bunch of mail on Monday. Uh, but I do have this one picture. If you remember, this is Tina Fey doing Sarah Palin, and it's kind of hard to differentiate between the two, because they look, she did such a great impersonation of, of Sarah Palin. Um, and in fact, this whole idea of making impressions or impersonations, uh, marketing companies have got into this. They've, they've tapped into um, our desires to be like people we admire. Um, you know, if there's a, a specifically in, in sports, man, remember the days of Michael Jordan when he was winning all his NBA championships? Gatorade came out with a commercial because Jordan was so successful. Gatorade came out with this commercial um, and actually wrote a song. The commercial was all about being like Michael Jordan. The commercial had people that were playing basketball that played basketball, nothing like Michael Jordan. But they inserted Michael Jordan, and, and the idea was that if you drank Gatorade, you could be like Michael Jordan, or you know, at least drink what he drinks. Um, they, they wrote a song. Uh, here's the lyrics to the song. It says, sometimes I dream that he is me. You've got to see that's how I dream to be. I dream I move. I dream I groove. 
like Mike, if I could be like Mike, like Mike, oh, if I could just be like Mike. And they sold a lot of Gatorade because many people wanted to be like Mike. This idea of being like someone is is not a new idea. In fact, if you go back to the Gospels and if you look at the history of the early church, one of the common statements of the apostles and the disciples was this idea that that we're, we're called to be like Christ. That as we live out our discipleship journeys, that we are to not just impersonate or not to do an impression, but to actually become like Christ, to to be like a a little Jesus. In fact, the word Christian literally means little Christ. Uh, In a town uh, called Antioch in modern-day Syria, uh, the believers there, that that was the first time the word Christian was used. And it was given to the early church because they lived just like Jesus. And the apostles would encourage the church to be like Jesus. In fact, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul, the apostle Paul would say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ, which is an incredibly bold thing to say, right? It's almost like, man, I don't know if I could say that. But the reality is, is that if we are disciples, we are increasingly becoming like him. And what Paul is saying is, I'm growing in my journey. I may just be a step ahead of you, but you follow behind me and you follow in my wake as I follow in the wake of Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Another disciple and apostle was John. First John, chapter two, verse six. John puts it a different way. He says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. There it is again, being like Jesus, living like Jesus. And then we get to Colossians 3, and again, we get this this idea of imitating Christ, yet Paul says it a little bit differently. He says, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Represent Christ to your cities. Represent Christ to your families, to your workplace. Be be a great representative of who Jesus Christ is. Be like him. Now, what does that mean? And what is Paul calling us to? And as we get to Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, what he is going to do as he's calling us to represent Jesus, he's going to give us some specifics, some handles of what it looks like to be, what's, what it looks like to be like Jesus or to represent him. So I want to just highlight three of those things he calls us to and then give us three practical steps that we can take to increasingly grow uh, in, in, this, in this journey of discipleship and look more and more like Christ. So uh, Colossians 3, verse 12, let's just talk about the first one. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let me just stop right there because I think that's the first, he's, he's giving us the first way we can represent Christ and be like him, and it's simply this, to have grace-filled character. You've begun a journey with Jesus. We're walking with Jesus. 
And now we've, we've received the gift of salvation and now we're allowing the spirit of God to dwell within us. The fullness of the deity, the fullness of God resides in Christ and Christ resides in you. He lives in you. You have everything you need to be transformed. And then Paul paints a picture. Here's what grace-filled character looks like in a person who's, re- who's representing Christ. Tender-hearted mercy. Interestingly enough, that word in, in the original language in which the New Testament was written, that word literally means soft intestines, which is a little bit weird, right? But what Paul is getting at is, is the soft insides. Do you remember when Jesus was doing ministry and he would see someone with leprosy who had been rejected by their community? Or he'd see someone suffering from an illness uh, or from blindness. Uh, or he would see a great crowd who hadn't had food to eat and needed rest. And the, the, the Gospels will say, and he, had, he, he was moved with compassion. It literally means he was moved in, in, in his inward, his insides. He, he got all twisted up inside over that person's predicament. That, that's what that is. When someone increasingly looks like Jesus, they're tenderhearted. There's kindness. Kindness, and in this, in this word here, it literally means it's, it's wine that's lost its edge. It's mellowed. It's an attitude that's, that's useful. Humility. It's, re, it's this losing the desire to be the center of attention. It's gentleness. It's, it's a soft spirit. Uh, it's patience. Patience, is, it literally means a, a, a long time goes by before you get hot. Um, it's, it's making allowance for each other's faults and forgiving anyone who offends you. And in our day and age, offense comes at us all the time. We can, there's a bunch of ways that, that we can be offended. We live in a culture, we live in a world that's easily offended. Jesus, I mean, Paul is saying, forgive. And above all else, Clothe yourself in love, which binds it all together. What Paul is getting at here is that if you want to represent Christ, you need to understand that, first of all, what's going on is you're being transformed from the inside out. The old you has been put to death, and now the, the, the person who is becoming like Christ is kind and humble and gentle, and they take a long time before they get hot, and they're not easily offended, and if they are offended, they forgive because they remember that they are a forgiven people, and above all else, they love because that holds it all together, and that's what Paul is saying, firstly, about what it looks like to be like Jesus and represent him well. It's grace-filled character. Verse 16, he picks it up, and we see the second thing. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. The first way we represent Christ well is through grace-filled character. The second way is simply through grace-filled living. When the gospel of Jesus Christ moves from something that you've experienced as far as accepting him, it, the God, when the gospel of Jesus Christ gets down into the core of your being, it changes how you think. It, 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 it helps you see how, how problems, how counsel can be given and, and how solutions can be arrived at by the grace of Jesus Christ. In fact, he goes on to say that it gives birth to spontaneous bursts of worship, singing the psalms, spiritual songs, hymns. 
And, and this is the reality when the gospel gets down deep within us. It's spirit-filled living. Years ago, when I was a kid growing up in Hong Kong, we were walking the streets of Hong Kong with my family. Mom and dad were in front of us. My sister was with my mom and dad. And my brother and I were sort of trailing uh, behind. Um, my brother gave me a little plastic bottle. Uh, it was soft, and, and you could squeeze it. And inside of it was ink. And he handed me this bottle, and mom and dad were walking in front of us, and mom was wearing a brand new pair of white pants. You're already groaning, because you know how this is going to go, right? (laughs) My brother gives me the little white bottle and sort of gives me something like squirt mom. And so um, I admired my brother then, and and, and so he, I, I take the top off, and I squeeze it, and this stream of ink shoots and just, I mean, dead on, hits my mom on the, on the back right of her leg, and it hits, and she lets out this, this sort of a squeal and then a groan as she looks back and sees his white pants, these new white pants, with this giant black ink mark on the back of her pants. She groans, and when my dad's trying to figure out what's going on, he looks and he sees the, the, uh, the, the stain on the back of mom's pants. He pivots, and he looks at me, and he lets out a growl. And he's coming at me, and, um, and, and he, you know, he, if, if, if you could just capture the look on his face, the message that his face was sending is, son, I brought you in this world, and you were leaving this world immediately. <laughs> now, what I didn't tell you is actually my brother and I had slipped into a toy store and bought this, this, this bottle of ink. It was disappearing ink. Um, but it was not disappearing as quickly as I needed it to. <laughs> Because my dad was coming at me, and, he, and my brother, by the way, was distancing himself from me as dad was coming. And, and my dad has got me by the collar, and I'm saying, wait, 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 it's disappearing ink. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to disappear. And, and so dad stops, and he looks at mom, and sure enough, that deep, dark ink stain was slowly fading. And he held me there. And, um, and, and, and sure enough, the, the, it, it started to go away. And I, was, I, I remember thinking, have faith, have faith, Dad. It's going to disappear. Oh, Lord, make it disappear. And it did disappear. Now, that, that countenance of anger was transformed. And now my dad was laughing. My mom never laughed about that situation. But my dad was laughing. He was, he was howling at this whole joke that went on, and I was experiencing a new emotion. It was the emotion of relief. It's like, oh, this, this, this situation has resolved itself. And friends, when it comes to the gospel, Paul is saying here, let the message of Christ sink down deep into your heart. The message of the gospel is, we were in a predicament. We were in a situation that was perilous. It's it's a serious issue. We were stained by sin, and that sin brought consequences. And and this is hard to hear. But God the Father was angry at our sinfulness. In fact, his wrath was directed at us. Romans tells us that we were enemies of God in our sinful state. But here's what God did. He redirected his wrath. He redirected his anger to his son. His son was sinless. He who was without sin became sin and paid our sin debt on the cross so that any person that puts their faith in Jesus Christ could have that stain disappear. And any single person who has any sense of the gift of salvation that is theirs, that they have new life, that God looks at them and declares that they are holy, knowing the gift that that is, Any person who comes to that realization cannot help but sing songs. 
When the gospel gets down deep into us, we cannot help but to think differently and to see people differently. And so what Paul is saying is something... You know, grace-filled character is what it looks like to represent Christ. Grace-filled living, when the gospel gets down into you, it changes the way you live. And I am convinced that if anyone is bored with worship, it's because the gospel has not gotten down deep into the core of their being. Or you've minimized the stain. You've, you've, You've minimized the offense that it is to God. But the good news is that you are forgiven. The good news is that the stain has been removed and anyone who experiences that experiences this this transformation of this grace-filled character that that just splashes over into grace-filled living. In fact, it's kind of like the people you come across, they're like living in the splash zone at at SeaWorld. It's just coming out of you. And, And because the gospel has gotten, the message of Christ has gotten down deep into your heart. It changes the way you live. It changes the way you see people, which leads to the third thing that Paul mentions here, beginning in verse 18. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though... You were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done for God has no favorites. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. What's it look like to represent Christ? Grace-filled character. Transformation from the inside out. Grace-filled living. The gospel gets down deep and you see and you think differently and they have these outbursts of worship. The last way that Paul is getting at here is that grace-filled relationships. Your relationships become impacted. They are seasoned by grace. And there's all kinds of relationships that Paul is speaking about here. Wives to husbands, husbands to wives, children to parents, fathers to children, employees to employers, employers to employees. All the significant relationships and friendships we might have. What Paul is saying here is, if you want to represent Christ, then what will happen because of the, of the, of the character, the, the, the transformation that's happening inside of you, that grace-filled character that's resulting in grace-filled living as the gospel gets down deep in you, it flows out into our relationships. People who are like Christ have, have, have seasoned their friendships, seasoned their relationships with grace. And they represent Christ well with their friendships. Well, if we could just stop right here and ask the question, how are your relationships? How are your friends, your most significant friendships? Are they seasoned by grace? Because Paul is saying here that if you want to imitate Christ, you want to live as Jesus did, you want to be a representative of Christ, And grace-filled character exists, which spills out into grace-filled living, which then spills out into grace-filled relationships, the most significant ones. That's a picture of what it looks like to represent Christ well. Now, here's the question. How do we get that to begin happening in our lives? 
How, do we, how does transformation take place? How does that, that, that life, that, that wisdom come? And, and how does worship bubble up within us? And, and how does that impact our relationships? How do we get from here to there? How do we get from where we are today to this, this, this text right here? And I quickly want to give you just three things. The first one is going to sound a little bit odd, but I think, I think it'll make sense to you. Here's the first thing. Stop hating yourself for what you're not. The danger in seeing a list like this is you will put yourself up next to it, and here's the first thing you're gonna do. You're gonna notice your shortcomings. You're gonna notice the lack of humility. You're gonna notice it doesn't take a long time before you get hot. And then you're gonna hear the mean voice. The mean voice, the condemning voice in your head that's gonna say, see, I told you, you're not the real deal. That's just the natural, that's the danger of looking at a list is that we start listening to the condemning voice. We have to remind ourselves, Romans chapter eight, verse one, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You just, you just tell the, the, the mean voice to be quiet. Now, we need to know how to grow. We need to know what the destination of the discipleship is. We need, to, we need a picture. So it's not like we just ignore our shortcomings. It's just that this, this actually becomes a way for us to be praying for ourselves. Lord, I, I need soft intestines. Or I need tenderhearted mercy. I, I, teach me how to love. Lord, do your work in me. May I be a picture of who you are. And may that gospel get down deep into me and, and transform me into a worshiper. Open my eyes. Impact my relationships, the people who are most important in my life. You will not get there by hating what you're not. It's acknowledging there's growth to be done, but it's also celebrating the, the, the ways you are growing, which actually is the next thing I'd say to you, is affirm, notice and affirm one another. You've heard me say this before, our natural default is to see our shortcomings. I mean, the people we're closest to, the people we love the most, we, we know very well their shortcomings. Um, and we know their mistakes. And... Um, and we also see the things they do well, but we don't call them out. E- even when I was, I was writing this talk, uh, I, I was looking through this list. I was looking at this picture of tenderhearted mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and making allowance for each other's faults and forgiving and, and worship and, and, um, and relationships that are seasoned by grace. And immediately, two names came to my mind that this, this is a great description of. One of them is someone who's on our staff, has been on our staff for quite a long time. It's Barbara Fletcher. Um, the staff, we call her St. Barb because um, that's, she's, in our eyes, it's sainthood. Um, she is so kind. She is quick to forgive. She is just, she's a delight to be a friend of. Everyone thinks that they're Barb's best friend. That's just who she is. Another name that comes to my mind is my assistant, uh, Kathy Bletcher. She's very kind to me. She forgives me daily of uh, all my offensive ways. Uh, she, she's a blessing to me. And you know what? We could read this list and you could be thinking about people and a name is gonna pop in your head of someone who's humble, someone who's patient, someone who's loving, someone whose relationships are seasoned by grace. Tell them. Tell them because the messages we are receiving day in and day out is how we don't measure up. We need to hear from one another the ways in which we're growing, the ways that we are representing Christ well. Affirm each other and notice it. The last thing I would say is simply this, is spend time with him. 
Spend time with Jesus. You will not become more kind. You will not become more loving by exerting some holy sweat and working at it. It, it, yeah, Yeah, there's work involved, but the work involved is simply being with Jesus. When you admire someone, when you're worshiping someone, what you do is you modify your life so that you can look just like them. My two boys, when they were growing up, they were, I think they were elementary school. I moved into our house. Our, our neighbors, great neighbors, they had a young boy that was kind of in between the age of, of Chase and Cal. They played baseball together. They'd play in the backyard together. Did all kinds of stuff together. And they admired Andrew. And Andrew had an unusual tick. He would, he would look at you and he would talk to you and he would just blink his eyes like this as he was talking to you. It was, just, it was a little bit odd, but he's a great kid, and he would just do that. One time we're having dinner, and Chase is like saying, you know, pass the salt, and, and then he, he, he does this. And, and I look at him like, dude, what, what in the world are you doing? N- nothing. Yeah, you're like blinking your eyes, like, like Andrew. Uh-uh. And then Cal was doing this. I mean, both my boys are, are doing this kind of weird thing with their eyes. Why are they doing the weird thing with their eyes? Because they admire their neighbor, Andrew, and they, and they love how he plays baseball. They're trying to swing the bat like Andrew. They want to be like Andrew. And the more time they spend with Andrew, the more subtle the change becomes for them, even as elementary kids. It's the same way with Christ. The more time you spend with him, the more, the more you hear him speak, you will speak like him. The times you see that he's silent, you learn to be silent. The way you see him move, you move. The way you see him touch and bless, you will touch and bless. And it it doesn't come by holy exertion and holy sweat. It comes from being with him. Uh, One author captures this very well when they say this. They say, the steady discipline of intimate friendship with Jesus results in men and women becoming like him. It's just the keep going back to the fountain, keep going to be with Christ. And what happens is you become more and more like him and you represent him well. You represent him with grace-filled character. You represent him with grace-filled living. And you represent him because your relationships are grace-filled, seasoned by, by grace. And you are becoming like him. Now, think about this for a moment. What would happen in our nation today if the church of Jesus Christ was known for these things that are being called out in Colossians chapter three. What kind of impact, what kind of impact would that have on our nation? What kind of impact would that have here in Salem, in Kaiser and Willamette Valley? I tell you what happened. People wanna know what in the world's going on? What kind of people are these? And they might, they may call us Christian. Like a little Jesus. In fact, what he will do, was it will open a door that will allow the, the vision that God has given to us of a city at peace with God to become a reality. And it'll become a reality because it's become a reality in our hearts. And the gospel will find an open door. In fact, that's what Paul will pray in chapter four. Pray that a door will be opened to me and that my conversation will be seasoned with grace. And there it is again. This is what it looks like to represent Jesus Christ. This is what it looks like to imitate him. And when this happens, friends, our relationships will be transformed with each other and with our world. And let's pray to that end. So Lord, thank you. 
Thank you for your word that's living and active. Thank you for your word that just, just speaks straight to our hearts. Lord, we, we, we thank you that you're, you're, you're shaping us, you're transforming us. We see our areas that we need to grow in. Lord, may we, may we pray that over each other. Lord, we may silence, the, may, may this, the, the condemning voice be silenced. May the shame be lifted off your sons and daughters. They're holy in your sight. Now fill them with your spirit so that this character might be developed in them. And, and Lord, I pray that that would just give birth to this, this new life. And Lord, may it just transform me where there may be peace. May there be just peace and grace in our relationships with, with one another and with our employers and Lord, with our families. and Do a work in us. We need you. We can't do this on our own. Thank you that even as we seek to follow you and imitate you, you are with us. For the sake of your great name, Lord, do this work in us, we pray in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.